I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week we are having our triumphant return to worst. This is everything in between, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is both worst and in between, I would say, with uh, Game of Death from, uh, well, let's say 1978, but uh, that's that's the kind of the center point of this episode. But we're really going to be talking about Game of Death as a whole, the weird production, and all of the kind of partial productions that, that Bruce Lee left behind after his untimely death, and a bit about his death and stuff, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, first and foremost, yeah, we, we do need to say Bruce Lee has passed. In the timeline of Heroes 3, as we go through all of these episodes, um, he died directly before Enter the Dragon. But uh, where Game of Death sits is that this was a project that Bruce Lee started in around 72 after Way of the Dragon. You know, Way of the Dragon was like his directorial debut. And I'm sure, you know, with the success of that, he had stars in his eyes. And the attempt to um, really, uh, again, kind of establish his philosophy of martial arts on film um, this is what he wanted to do with uh, Game of Death, and he filmed a little bit of it, and uh, that film is some of the stuff that we'll be talking about today, but uh, once he got the deal to do Enter the Dragon, he's like, all right, guys, we're just going to stop this, and I'm going to focus on Enter the Dragon, and uh, here we are now with this kind of unfinished symphony of Bruce Lee, so it, it's it's pretty wild, yeah, um, and... <laughs> Yeah, as we're talking about Game of Death, we're going to be basically be getting into the realm of Bruceploitation. And mm -hmm. um, the 1978 version of Game of Death is really uh, an extreme <laughs> take on that. Uh, yeah, it's weird. In some ways, it's almost the most tasteless of yes. all the Bruce exploitations, I feel I do. Like. I share yeah. that opinion. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, down to... Because, like, the first time that I ever interacted with Game of Death was... I it was I, I want to say it was literally a cracked article from like 2008. Oh, nice! And it was it was talking about like you know really like basically like tasteless things in movies. And the thing it talked about was how Game of Death uses footage from Bruce Lee's actual funeral in the movie to show that the character that quote unquote Bruce Lee plays in the movie is is faking his death. So. It is almost literally propping up a dead man to to be in the movie. Yeah, like, totally. It is, it's 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 pretty it's pretty bad, and you kind of have to laugh at it at this stage of the game. Well, dude, yeah. what's amazing is just like how powerful Bruce's reputation and legend is. Because I could totally imagine someone that hasn't interacted with the movie before is they'll read up about it and realize like, oh, okay, largely assembled after his death, but this is famous. I mean, I've seen shots of him in the yellow jumpsuit <laughs> and, you know, fighting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like nothing uh -huh. will really prepare you for how no. schlocky, cheap, <laughs> tasteless, just terrible this project is. And we're not talking about like Bruce's footage. We mean like what was assembled in Hollywood to be released theatrically after his death. It's, it's, it's just 
so bad. <laughs> that's such a good way to put it, because that's literally what I was thinking was, I remember reading about this, and you can read that all the stuff that they did, but seeing right. it in motion is bonkers. Like, you can read, you know, oh, he's wears sunglasses a lot, and there's a lot of, like, dimly lit shots, and, like, poorly pasted his face over, and, you know, you can read all that, but whenever you see it in motion... It's it's something else. Yeah, it's shocking. Um, I was I mean, obviously watching it for the podcast and um, my wife was around doing her own thing. And I, I had to like bring her in like, hey, you got to see, you know, and I gave her a little <laughs> bit of the backstory and <laughs> her not having any investment in this. She was offended <laughs> by seeing. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you don't need any connection to Bruce to just feel like this is this is so foul. Like you can't do this. I wasn't trying to like color her judgment before she saw it. I just let her know, like, oh, all right, tell, like, see, check this out. And uh, yeah, she was pretty stunned. But um, I mean, before we get into all of these things with the seventy-eight version, I did want to take some time to go over uh, some other unfinished works that Bruce Lee. Yeah. Uh, uh, wasn't able to complete uh, before he passed. And there's a little handful of these. And I think, uh, you know, before we recorded, I was talking to Matthew a little bit about this and he, he, he checked out something in relation to that as well. But um, first and foremost, I wanted to mention the silent flute. So the silent flute was kind of like Bruce's, like, uh, I don't know, like a little passion project that he really was trying to get off the ground on his own before he uh, made it big in Hong Kong. So this is post- uh, the Green Horn, and I think around 1969, he was trying to get a film uh, produced uh, through Warner Brothers. And um, it, this was Bruce along with his uh, student and his like writer muse, Sterling Siliphant. He's the guy that wrote yeah. like a lot of his dialogue for like different things. And he kind of really opened some doors for Bruce in uh, the West before he really made it big. And um uh, the Silent Flute, similar to like what he wanted to do with Game of Death and these other projects that we'll talk about, they really wanted he he wanted to talk about how he felt about martial arts. He wanted to introduce what he says in some interviews the the true Oriental, you know the the real like culture of of martial arts and the, his culture that he experienced growing up to Western cinema. So it was basically this idea where there would be a um, a character named Cord the Seeker, and actually he was talking about trying to get Steve McQueen involved to be this uh, Cord <laughs> character, and that never actually happened. But uh, James Coburn, actually, who was also a student of Bruce Lee, he got roped into it, and he was really feeling it because Bruce really wanted to push the philosophy side of things, and uh, Bruce really appreciated James Coburn as a student because he was ready to kind of, he was like kind of like a hippie mindset. He always wanted to talk about philosophy and he really uh, brought yeah. that out in Bruce. And um, this would have this character Cord kind of taking this journey, like this kind of true journey of the martial artist. And as he progresses in this journey, he would encounter these different masters. And Bruce was planning to play all of the different masters in different guises. <laughs> And, oh, that's fun. Yeah, it was kind of cool. So and, like proto-Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something like that. And um, this eventually became a film called uh, The Circle of Iron that came out in 1978. Gotcha. And actually starred David Carradine, which is kind of a weird weird flex to me that huh. uh, yeah. you know he lost that role in kung fu to david carradine and then in 78 now that bruce lee has passed david carradine yeah. you know is kind of that 
it's kind of weird but i i've seen the movie and it it kind of plays more like a western fantasy than a more of a martial arts film huh. but um yeah it, it's interesting um at one point, he was also trying to get Roman Polanski to direct this because he was kind of, yeah, I, you hear that name now and you're like, Ugh. but yeah. back then. I mean, he's, uh, unfortunately, he's a really good director, <laughs> so. They were, they were tight. I mean, you know, the Manson murders and all that that really involved that kind of circle of friends. And, um. Mm-hmm. The 70s were freaking wild, man. Yeah, so the interesting <laughs> thing, too, is that Warner Brothers signed off on this film, but they said basically that. Bruce had to find a location to shoot in India for it because Warner Brothers had shot some films in India, but um, basically their contract had it so that the rupees that they got from the filming were like locked to India. So they said if Bruce goes over there and they can find locations to shoot, they can use that money as their budget. Yeah. Huh. So they um weird. I mean that makes sense. Like, hey, if we're we're gonna do this, it's gonna stay in India. I I, right. I kinda get that. Yeah, yeah. So they took a trip. It was Bruce and James Coburn and Sterling Siliphant, and they took a trip through India and they tried to find these locations and even though they had kind of a like an interesting trip because of it, they they didn't come back with anything. So it kind of languished and uh then you know bruce you know we followed his trajectory so it it was something that he was kind of passionate about but i feel like it kind of exchanged hands to sterling siliphant and james coburn so once bruce was really coming up in hong kong and then you know enter the dragon they they were also like kind of trying to make this movie happen and i think james coburn came back to bruce once he was starting to get more famous asking if he wanted to continue it and then he was like uh i'm too expensive now basically (laughs) (laughs) so it never ended up happening while he was alive but then we got that we got circle of iron in 1978 so that's a really interesting story in itself and i think that's the most meaty of these uh, kind of unfinished projects right yeah i mean we're grateful that we have like a completed uh released film yeah, yeah. And also it's it's always funny to me to go back and look at this like detailed like timeline of all these things that Bruce was working on and the things that happened and it's only within like a span of 4 or 5 years, you know? It's really wild to think about that roller coaster that Bruce was on. Um so in 72, so now this is after he's made a name for himself in Hong Kong, he had an idea for a film called Southern Fist Northern Leg. And um, this is kind of still like his eyes set on Hollywood. And he basically developed the idea from uh, Silent Flute into another film. And it's basically another journey of the martial artist. And um, yeah, he's basically like, what is the truth of martial arts? So uh, the the hero in this story is seeking a book with the secrets to martial arts. And um, there was like a twist ending in here where it was like once you get to the final moment you open the book and there's like a mirror that show it's like a looking inward moment you know that's kind of like <laughs> kind of a tropey thing that you think yeah. about now but i'm um, back right. then bruce like was really trying to kind of emphasize this thing you know and bruce at one thing we'll see in game of death too is that bruce was almost anti-style you know he was more about the development of a person it's like a personal journey that you have to figure out like with jkd he wasn't like really wanting to call it a style he was calling it like a way so like it's like kind of like these breadcrumbs to lead you to find out what's really important to you so he's trying to do that in these ideas and um 
similar to that. It just it it was a an idea that he had, but it was never developed. There was another one that I know the least about, and this was called uh, Green Bamboo Warrior, and this was also like around seventy two, and this was more of like an immigrant story. So it was like Bruce. Bruce would play like a Chinese worker making his way to San Francisco, like turn of the century San Francisco. And it was basically oh, like awesome. kind of a gold rush situation. And um, actually, Bolo was considered to be like one of the co-stars in this. And um, and he the, the other notes that I saw that this was also like similar what we mentioned in... Um, way of the dragon originally bruce was gonna call that enter the dragon because he really had this idea about like titling so enter the dragon even i mean we mentioned it on the enter the dragon episode it wasn't really going to be called enter the dragon until bruce really fought for that because he saw it as like kind of a debut and with that you can also have like a sequel return of the dragon or the final dragon vengeance or you know how that so he had kind of like franchise ideas in mind which is kind of interesting to think about back then too so relating to that i want to talk about that briefly because that's that's one thing that i did dive into is that that did basically get a revamp i don't know what you would call it but like basically they turned that into a series in 2019 on cinemax called just warrior and it is a it's a story about it has Actually, it's like Bruce Lee production, I think, is like mm. one of the production companies with it. Um, Shannon Lee is one of the executive producers on it. And it's a uh, yeah, and it's it's a story about a a person immigrating to San Francisco in like the 1870s in search of like a lost family member and getting wrapped up in like gangs and stuff and, you know, racism and lots of lots of white guys saying slurs and getting the crap beat out of them. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and it's a Cinemax original show. So a ridiculous amount of sex. So, <laughs> you know, just, just be aware of that. Um, but it's it's fun, though. I watched the watch the first episode and it's 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 pretty fun. And like the uh, Justin Lin's involved with it. Mm-hmm. So he's he directed a few oh, episodes nice. and stuff. So it's like shot pretty well and a lot of fun. Fun nods to Bruce Lee without being like super explicit, which I appreciated. Wow. So. And it's still in production like right now. It right? is. They it's got approved for a third season. Just, you know, obviously uh, COVID stuff. But yeah, but it is. Um, it's on HBO Max now. Right, so. right, right. That was also something we talked about with Kung Fu and Bruce Lee's own like warrior that. Yeah. That, so yeah. you can see that he had these ideas that he was really trying to kind of chisel away at and mold into like something that. I mean, I feel like that message that he wanted to deliver wanted to deliver was so important that he really wanted to. And I, I feel like Game of Death really would have been that. I wonder, though, um, we're going to talk about like the different versions of Game of Death. And um, s- some of the stuff, when you see it, you seem to me, it was like seems kind of preachy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like when you hear Bruce Lee talking like as that main character, you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. But I was like. All right, maybe this isn't the best. Maybe this is a first pass. Maybe we gotta like kind of mm-hmm. work this out a little bit. But. I think that's. I think that's a good take. I mean, um, obviously, there's a strong impulse that any fan of Bruce would have that there that he would have left behind these more kind of complete writings or plans or things like that. But uh, you know, when we actually like look at his filmography, that doesn't really seem to be his style. He's he's very much like a big picture person and the philosophy is important. And then where he really seems to dig in is the actual choreography and action direction of a, 
of a sequence. And yeah, I have that same impression with the, the game of death footage that has survived, that this is like a first session and he has some really nice kind of broad strokes of how this movie could be structured and what, you know, the like key fights might be. Yeah. But um, I think it it would have had a long, long journey ahead of it still. And there's just, unfortunately, there's kind of no getting getting around that. Yeah, so we can talk about uh, what Game of Death 78 is. So um, <laughs> yeah. Bruce Lee, uh, yeah, passed away, and he was in the middle of this, 1972-1973, and we've mentioned this vacuum that was created, you know, such a shocking loss. And so abruptly this like upward trajectory and not just him, but like basically Hong Kong film industry. So it created this vacuum and there were all these people that really wanted to capitalize on that. And honestly, in a way it's kind of like touching that people just wanted it. You know, they, they were so connected to this guy and that he meant so much to them culturally and the world culturally and in uh you know a personal way it's changing people's lives everybody's doing high kicks when they're out on the street and buying nunchucks <laughs> left and right, right. right and um now you've got all of these guys that are like well let's do something like that it's varying degrees of quality i feel like a lot of it is lower quality but there's some gems that you oh, can yeah. get out of that and uh by 1978 this is Golden Harvest, you know, so Golden Harvest, Raymond Chow, they have this footage and they want to do something with it. And they see all of these imitators that are out there. So like this isn't the first strike of exploitation. It's almost a right. response to all of the other uh, movies. And actually, I feel like some of the within material- Hong Kong, we should say, I don't yeah. think we were really getting much of that stateside at this point. Right, right, right. And um, I feel like some of the decisions that were made in game of death 78 were made to avoid material because so there is also a thing that uh <coughs> some of the uh like the ideas for game of death those ideas were leaked out so some of the bruceploitation films that you'll see are doing <laughs> the game of death stuff before game of death ever came out yeah so yeah. um i mean maybe we should talk a little bit about like the basic premise for yeah. for game of death just like in you know, like a paragraph or whatever. Yeah, um, so you're talking yeah. about Bruce Lee's Game of Death. Yeah, Bruce Lee's Game of Death, because yeah. the 1978 Game of Death doesn't really right. look like how that ended up. Yeah. Because the idea, it's funny, reading the like the, the, the baseline of what Bruce Lee's Game of Death looked like, it's... It's I mean it's a video game. Yeah. Totally. It's it's you're yeah. going into a place, you're fighting people on different levels that have different styles and then you defeat them by figuring out the weaknesses to their styles. It's like, beautiful. It's literally a video game. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's such a um, pure idea and yeah. um I think that's that also speaks to like why in the hell this movie has survived <laughs> with any kind of reputation. I mean, it's really like from a different point of view, it's really moving. It like you basically could say that the impact of 11 minutes of Bruce's footage and this really pure idea are enough to sustain this really awful, tasteless, <laughs> you know, yeah. cash grab that doesn't, yep. doesn't really make any sense. And, um, clearly, I, I mean, and some of, you know, the early video game developer legends have talked about influence from game of death, but it's, you know, we don't even kind of need them to spill 
spill the beans like that. It's really obvious, like you're saying, Matthew, and even the fact of levels, um, I feel like it kind of sets the stage for viewing, yeah, viewing chapters in terms of level, you know, it's, Mm. we're so used to it now because Mm. of just video game vernacular in our lives and everything, but. Yeah, but it is um, literally levels of a tower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so Bruce Lee, according to his notes, um, Bruce Lee was was gonna play a uh, a martial artist, like a formal martial arts champion named Hai Tian, and he basically gets wrapped in this kind of Korean gang scheme to like get this treasure at the top of a pagoda, and uh, he gets coerced into it, according to the story, by uh, the the Korean gang like kidnaps his brother and sister, and uh, him and two other well I think. According to the notes, there's supposed to be five guys that go to the tower, but Bruce only was able to film the third, fourth, and fifth floor before he passed. Yeah. Before before he was able to complete anything, and, and so those were like James Tian and Chia Yuan. Yeah, so those right? those yeah. characters are like three of the five that enter the tower. And the thing that I think is really cool to me, and it's not developed, but you see it in that um, compiled footage, is that they're not really um homies like they're kind of rivals in a way and uh james tian and uh uh bruce Almost is like a squid game kind of yeah i guess vibe, yeah think of it. that's a good way to talk yeah to, to compare yeah. it because um yeah they're, they're like it's all right game, you go it's like progressing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the i guess the the idea of a death game is a pretty you know there's there's a lot of uh a lot of media that that kind of do that but yeah it is it is that kind of idea yeah where it's like you're kind of working together but you're also kind of not and yeah and it's also sort of like one by one they're eliminated kind of a feeling sure and each of these floors of the tower had like a guardian and um yeah so he through bruce's notes you kind of have ideas for who was gonna be at each floor so on the ground floor like i guess before they entered they were gonna fight like a bunch of stuntmen and black karate geese and then as they when they entered the the pagoda it would be huang in sec who was the um uh one of the uh, bad guys in way of the dragon and uh he's listed on his new notes as like an expert kicker so then uh the second floor which also like i said wasn't filmed was actually going to be a praying mantis master and Bruce actually asked his uh, longtime friend and student Taki Kimura to play that character. And Taki Kimura talks about in some interviews that he wasn't really, uh, he didn't really want to do it. He seemed to be more of a background guy, but he was willing <laughs> to do it for Bruce, which is kind of cute. Uh, yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> yep. So then uh, floor three is uh, the Hall of the Tiger. This, these, these, each of these floors had titles and uh this would be dan inasanto also one of bruce's most notable students and uh this is what we see in this footage where he's using the uh double sticks the eskrima and also the nunchuck and um fourth floor was jihan jay who was a hapkido master and he's basically like kind of like a grappler joint lock kind of guy and this was the hall of the dragon and then yeah. at the fifth floor was the Hall of the Unknown. So this was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And he played a character, according to notes, his name is Mantis. And uh, basically he is the uh, martial artist of no style. And this was kind of representative of what Bruce Lee wanted to say about, like, you know, being able to adapt and being able to kind of let go of 
dedication to styles and uh but the thing that's really interesting that we see in this footage is that he's wearing sunglasses and i mean also there's the comparison of a five seven he's, he's also seven feet yeah, tall Bruce so. he's like five seven five seven and a half and Kareem yeah. Abdul-Jabbar is like I don't know twenty five feet. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was whenever I whenever I told a friend of mine that we were going to be watching Game of Death. He said, "Oh yeah, is that the one where Bruce Lee fights a giraffe?" <laughs> yeah, that's mean. Beautiful. <laughs> um, but but it is it is dramatic though. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I I really love. I mean, we'll get into it more when we talk a little bit more about this. But yeah. um, uh, so. At the top of the pagoda was supposed to be like a treasure or something. And Bruce never really worked that out. And actually in the footage that you see after he defeats Mantis. Oh, one one thing I wanted to mention too. If you watch this, uh, you know, the, the compiled footage, there's a moment where uh, Bruce gets knocked into the paper uh, wall and he knocks yeah. it out and the sunlight shines into the pagoda and that causes like almost a visible pain to this Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's character, this Mantis character. And what you find out is that he has a, a, an aversion to light. There's this light sensitivity that's pretty extreme. And at, actually at a point, Bruce uh, Bruce's character jump kicks him and his sunglasses come off. And you see that he has these crazy red eyeballs. It looks <laughs> so crazy. But uh, I, I think it's a fun idea. And actually in the different versions, there's different takes on that. So... In um, the footage that's in A Warrior's Journey, you'll see that he has red pupils. But in the Redux, so we need to mention this also. It wasn't enough. There was all these different versions to begin with. But <laughs> now we have another version of Game of Death's footage, which is uh, Game of Death Redux. I gotta take a drink because I'm talking way too much. Yeah, no, you've, no, you're, Carlos, you're you knocked it out of the park with this, yeah. with this oh research. Oh my god. Ridiculous. So, um... With the Criterion set, there is Game of Death Redux, which is a recut and kind of a remix of that footage. So I, I, I guess I didn't explain really, but A Warrior's Journey was a uh, a film. It's like a documentary slash this Game of Death footage. So in the, uh, I think, mid to late 90s, actually, uh, Bay Logan, when he was working at Media Asia, going through the archive, he actually found this rumored foot footage of game of death that had up to this point not been seen at all so this is That's going insane. from way back from the 70s up until like the 90s so um he licensed that out to uh two projects there's a warrior's journey that was by handled by john little so john little being the kind of lee estate like note man like he had full access to bruce lee's archives and had full access to bruce lee's like notes so he was like almost like the premier like historian the inside man for bruce lee information so he put together a documentary covering bruce lee's life and also this like finally this holy grail of game of death footage so he was able to take what bruce bruce had filmed about 100 minutes of footage and he cut that down to the meatiest, like, essential parts and tried to, using Bruce's notes, tried to make this almost like a definitive look at what, out of the footage that Bruce had already filmed, what it would have looked like if that had been produced. At the same time, there's a director in Japan. Oh, let me see if I can find this real quick. But this mm -hmm. film is called Bruce Lee and G.O.D., Shiboteki Yugi, and it's a Japanese, basically the equivalent of A Warrior's Journey, and um, 
it's it's kind of weird. There are, there are interviews. So there's interviews with Dan Inosanto in there. Yoon Wag is in an interview. And I think Yoon Byu is interviewed in there also. So it's pretty cool from that side of things. But there's also mm-hmm. this weird, like, docudrama, like, made-up footage. And, like, it's, it's kind of weird. But at the end of that, there's also the same thing. This Game of Death footage was put at the end of that. So you've got these two different versions of this Game of Death Holy Grail footage. But then now, like I was saying, I, I'm sorry, I'm so long-winded with this, but... <laughs> oh, dude, this is so great. <laughs> the, the Criterion release had a new cut of Game of Death called Game of Death Redux that was by uh, a man named Alan Canavan. And um, he basically felt like... It, to me, my take is that he really liked things from Game of Death 78, and he felt like the footage that was released through Warrior's Journey and Shibotaki Yugi didn't really tie it to the 78 film as much. So he uses scoring from Game of Death 78 in that, and it's all redubbed and um, recut in his own way. And there's slight differences, huh. and um, I feel like... Um, in our anniversary episode, uh, Marty, you made the joke about uh, George Lucas special editioning yeah. like Star yeah. Wars. And I feel like in the same way, that's what this is. And I mean, it's cool because you can watch it on the Criterion release on its own. You don't have to sit through a whole documentary beforehand to get to that point to see the Game of Death footage. But there's some of the... I, so, I mean, with Game of Death 78, they had John Barry do the scoring for it. And there is some cool... Like, like the theme is pretty cool. But even in... That's all right. Well, okay, yeah. So that's what I was going to get at. So even in 78, they kind of overuse it. It's kind of like they commissioned him to do one thing and then that's like the the thing he got out of it and then they kind of stretched that out to hour and 40 yeah, minutes I mean, john barry is a legend and yes like arguably one of the best composers we've come across on the mm-hmm. podcast but yet the movie at least the finished product that we have from the american version the spotting of the score is very strange it's strange and, uh, to the point where i have a hard time believing this is how john barry actually you know spotted the score mm-hmm. uh, particularly in fight sequences is where will usually feel the strangest but yeah there's some great great material in there so i could i can understand the impulse to want to to use some of that also um we should say when you when you take a look at this footage um i think if you're not a diehard bruce fan i'm not sure how impressed you're going to be by um just seeing the kind of footage raw without yeah, without a little bit of kind of polish around it. Yeah, um, so this the the Redux, it kind of leans on that John Barry scoring. And I feel like because there's not as much material to pull from, it leans on it a little too hard, whereas the uh, Warrior's Journey has its own original scoring. And although, I mean, that also isn't, like, really great. I think it's scored better than this Redux is. So... I don't know. I have conflicted emotions because it's kind of like you're muddling. There's already some confusion to what all this is. And then you're introducing another factor to confuse things even more. And um, I don't know. I, I mean, as a purist, I kind of feel like it's weird. And I mean, Bruce Lee yeah. never made music for it. So you can't even... He right. didn't even record dialogue. So um, the interesting thing about uh, The Warrior's Journey and all these versions is that they had to dub their lines. And actually, they went as far, I think, in Redux. 
I, it was one of the versions, and forgive me I miss, if I can't remember, but um, one of the versions, they actually got a lip reader to analyze the footage to see what was being said. Um, in A Warrior's Journey, there's a moment where the audio drops out and it says, you know, undecipherable or something like that. So, that, But in huh. the Redux version, they add a line in there, and it looks to match what Bruce is saying. And actually, I think it's huh. funny. Bruce's, the way he emotes is so um you know iconic that it actually yeah. makes it easy to read his lips because of just how bruce lee's persona was you can yeah, see very big his mouth yeah, moving very, like, right sharp way. yes like, yeah so that's pretty cool so those are those you know we talked about his unfinished works and then we talked about a warrior's journey and redux and I mean, we can get into 78. <laughs> so we can. We are FYI. We're not going to be going B by B. Yeah, and it's gonna. We're going to be pretty fast. And really, it's like it's cause... out of respect to the legend of yeah. of Bruce Lee because mm-hmm. this is this is not a. As we've said, this is not a respectful. Mm-hmm. It is not. I wrote in my notes several times. Uh, what did I say? I can't believe this. <laughs> you wrote that? Can't I wrote I can't believe this like three times. Well, and you were texting us too when you were you were watching it. Yeah. Like, yeah, nothing can really prepare you for how schlocky and cheap this thing is. Yeah. yeah. Know, and it's it's funny going back to Enter the Dragon, um I kind of remember us talking just a little bit about how, you know, is this really the like the grand Hollywood debut? You know, it's it's really like Bruce's material that's that's the strongest in that film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, if I, you <laughs> if you take a step back, it's not like Robert Klaus's <laughs> career is all that impressive. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it's embarrassing. that this. I know. That this yeah. And I, I know what you're getting at, too. And that's how I feel about it, too, where it's like, OK, they hired Robert Klaus. Um, so, and we talked about Enter the Dragon being like a riff on James Bond. So then they got John Barry, who composed yeah. for James Bond, the, the, the series of films. And um, so they're trying to recapture what they got from Enter but the yeah, Dragon. Yeah, the casting director is like, oh, I thought you said only the D through F list of <laughs> yeah. the actors. So the rest the, of yeah. the... Uh, the intro, it looks like the worst James Bond intro. Yeah. Like yeah. the the sound the song itself is not bad, but the intro is just it's it's not good. <laughs> it's very cordy. Yeah, the comparison for me is like it seems like a a drama like a tv drama from like that yeah. era like 70s era or like you know something like i don't know what it, dynasty or something you know it's yeah, has a very yeah. like feel no, well like said. that and um yeah they they make this contrived plot to kind of guide you to that footage and and honestly but we have so little charisma in any of the the rest of the cast yeah um, they not good man <laughs> every yeah and and the thing is i just it just feels like all of them were given one take mm-hmm. and yeah. and that was it. There's like, you got one and that's it. And then you don't get anything else. Yeah. But so- even just like the, in terms of just like stepping back and looking at the, like just the broad idea of the movie, why on earth do you have this really stupid contrived 
the plot that that we have here it's like what bruce left behind granted there's not a lot of footage from game of death but it's like that's the sexy idea that's the only reason that this thing has any legs however many decades later it's like why don't so yeah in case you're wondering this movie doesn't emphasize at all there being this pagoda tower of death it's Mm -hmm. it's not (laughs) it's not a premise in this movie which is it it just makes no sense you know even if you have to accept that okay we're going to be using a double for most of the film it's still i don't know like well, take us to somewhere in asia yeah. and have us yeah yeah and this is like you know after enter the dragon you're experiencing this wave of like oriental mysticism or you know this fetishizing of the the you know the east now and yeah basically this the, okay the plot of this film and we won't do back of the VH, vhs because no nah. you know, we're just talking nope. about this movie but um the plot of this film it it kind of puts you in you, it's weird it's like they're tricking you because like at the beginning of the credits they're showing like uh footage from bruce lee like pre-established footage and then it leads you to uh bruce's fight with chuck norris at the end of way of the dragon and you're like oh and and we mentioned this but re uh, you know return of the dragon was way of the dragon in the west and it was released after enter the dragon so that kind of lines up with what they're doing here but then you understand that um that's a like a film set like you're watching this fight as like it's being filmed it for a movie and then you i i wrote in my notes oh it just opens with the final fight from way of the dragon and it's them filming a movie this is going to be dumb as dirt yeah huh? right right <laughs> and no cats they cut all the cats out of it the... no cats <laughs> but um, like the best part <laughs> yeah so uh all the back hair none of the cats yeah our main character is billy low and he play. he's an actor and it sounds like he's getting wrapped up with the mob and the mob is played by like these white bread crack like, I mean, they basically like, could run for president in the 2020s. It's like yeah. everyone who is very <laughs> past yeah. their prime and like it's bad. Yeah, and do not contain a lot of sharp ideas. Yeah, yeah. We, well, I will say the cats just you know for the sake of things. So, um, uh, Bruce Lee, I mean, using archive footage plays Billy Low, but all more more most of the footage is a a. a a character, uh, an actor named Tong Long. Um, his, yeah. his also goes by Kim Tai Jung. He plays Billy Low, and um, the way they handle this passing resemblance, kind of. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so, um, this also feels like a trick too, because all the shots are either from his back or obscured in a way, or have lights are heavy out, lit. Yeah. yeah, the lighting is meant to emphasize that, and I get it. They're trying to really do that, but um. Uh, but so, it 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 only draws your attention to. I mean, yeah. it's maybe like a lose lose scenario, and there's not a way to, to that's, do this. Cause, that's how I feel about um, that. Yeah, and and I mean now. But honestly, give me the Ed Wood like cloak in front of the face. <laughs> um, that's yeah. it's. You bring up Ed Ed Wood's a good comparison. The uh, the biggest thing that I was thinking of when watching this movie 
was like Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Like this feels like a late night sketch mm-hmm. where it's like where it's like Conan in the middle of like the show, like the movie, and then it's cutting to footage of Bruce like giving yeah, like, a like sad that great face segment where Jim Carrey plays Conan. Um Oh, that's the best. <laughs> yeah. It, it literally it literally feels like a joke. Dude, like, you're so you're so right. And yeah, we're not gonna go beat by beat, but maybe the most infamous and terribly executed moment in the whole movie happens pretty early and he's in his dressing room right after wrapping that final scene and guys how did why do you not just cut this shot but anyways he's looking into the mirror and they've put a cardboard cutout or they've poorly cropped in and edit just a still of bruce lee's face in yeah, in front of Kim Taejong's yeah. body, like in camera. These aren't high. Most of C- most terrible. of my gifts I'm gonna make are gonna be from the the last little bit of the movie. I'm 100 percent gonna make a gif of that. Yeah, because it's unbelievable, dude. When you have like the shot to shot of he and Bruce like back to back, and by that point in the film, they're not trying to obscure his face. But another thing that I'd like to point out with the original Game of Death footage, um, so just as a reminder, 1972, I mean, this is a huge year. This is probably the busiest year in Bruce's life and career. So Fist of Fury comes out in 1972. Way of the Dragon comes out in 1972. And we start production on Enter the Dragon. And he's working on Game of Death. And the the film stock that we have for the surviving footage is not great. Mm-hmm. And it's not as though the film stock in the, you know, American stuff is terrific. Like we said, it has a real TV quality, but these things do not match up at all. It's not even, not even close. Not even close. It's like the the Golden Harvest stuff is is very grainy mm-hmm. and there's a lot and just in terms of lens choice and stuff, a lot of depth of field, but it's not very sharp at all. The American stuff is sharper, but colors aren't great and just lens choices and lighting it's very flat looking movie um and when you have these shots side by side it really doesn't feel like there's much effort in the color grading or even matching the sets or the color of the yellow jumpsuit it's yeah it's i don't know man yep pretty it's pretty pretty embarrassing but okay so we're, we're starting to get a little too negative for heroes three right so I do want to That's say true. that there are some cool things about yeah we're, we're gonna be re, we're gonna be redeemed yeah. for sure. So uh, one of the things I wanted to say is that the action for the the new action that was filmed for seventy eight, uh, we have Sammo Hung being he's yeah. the director for this action and he does show up in the film in a fight against Bob Wall. Um, so I do feel like you know you're still trying to mimic Bruce isms in this. But I feel like some of the most enjoyable moments for me from this like 78 version are those action moments. So there's a, a fight. Out oh, that's a that's a great point. There are really some flashes of some nice choreography. Yeah. There are. That's, and, and yeah, and you see Samuel's. Yes. Kind of Samuel's fingerprints. Yes. Uh, yeah. His personality. Yeah. I totally agree. And um, uh, one of the other things 
uh, that I know that's, I mean, it's hard to, to see it, but you kind of like in my heart, um, Yoon Byu also doubles in this film for some of the acrobatic stuff. Yeah. And um, that combination of things for me, and I think for listeners, listeners of Heroes 3, those like are really nice little gems that you can find as you're going through this film. So there's like a, a fight scene early on where he's out in the street in the middle of like kind of traffic fighting against these um, uh, bike gang dudes. And that, that looks kind of cool. And actually like, yeah, how they write in that yellow jumpsuit is that the enemies and the, the mobsters like henchmen all have those track suits in different colors. And uh, he, for like riding motorcycles. Yeah. They're riding bikes. And then by the end of the film, he defeats one of them and takes it as like, you know, a disguise to infiltrate. But, um, Oh, also, yeah. Another, Roman Polanski connection was that in Matthew Pauly's book that I'm also name checking again, but um, he uh, he says that Bruce had the idea for that yellow uh, tracksuit um, because of a, a ski trip that he went on with Roman Polanski to Switzerland. I guess they had a similar outfit, and he had that in his head and stuck with him for this. And also, it kind of represents. Um, kind of Bruce Lee not wearing like the, a traditional martial arts outfit. It's something that kind of really makes him stand out yeah. and kind of really emphasizes this kind of modernity, which I think is really cool. And totally. I mean, of all the things from this, the most long lasting image is Bruce in that yellow outfit. And it's no, been, I mean, yeah, you, you said you it. Know. I mean, we're, we're really cutting into the, the movie a lot, mm-hmm. but um, again, it's down to a few elements, like the idea of per- progressing like up levels Mm -hmm. the fact that we have the good fortune that he shot the sequence with kareem Mm -hmm. and that yellow jumpsuit and it's like that's basically what's great i think about game of death yeah i i agree so um billy lowe has a love interest and she's like i don't know like a lounge singer or something and I actually, I mean, not to get negative, but I hate that song that she sings. <laughs> and they like. <laughs> Will this be the song I'll be singing tomorrow? They book and the movie with that song and i'm like oh but so she so it sounds like what it is is these mobsters kind of deal in like celebrities or artists and they try to muscle them in to kind of get money out of them and they want her to sign a contract but she i'll i'll take your word for it (laughs) yeah she her and billy are like kind of on the run from these guys and he wants her to leave but they kind of get their target on billy and they try to kill him and oh my god yeah the The hardest i laughed watching this movie which is full of dumb moments (laughs) is the they went from filming the end of way of the dragon to now they're filming the end of fist of fury where like you know bruce lee does the big run up to the camera does the big jump and then gets shot and and in the movie's context one of the one of the guns has a real bullet instead of a blank which is also very poorly timed after all that's how uh, brandon lee died essentially 
Um, well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of weird, like Lee. It's just, it's just like weird that. parallelism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the but they show it's not just the shot of him running up. It's like in like super slow motion, and they show the same <laughs> footage over and it over. Terrible. It's like I, I again. I think that's the first time I wrote. I can't believe this was after that because it's it's insane. Yeah. Yep. So, oh my god. So he gets shot like for real. And then yeah. they and presume like presume dead. Yeah. Presume dead. So they do like some surgery on him to make him not look the same or something. It's like weird. He has or a scar something. on his face. Actually, it reminds me of Knight Rider. Like that was the premise <laughs> of Knight Rider. Like in the first episode of Knight Rider, Michael Knight gets shot and then they think he's dead. And then they reconstruct his face to look like David Hasselhoff. And then that's he's Michael Knight after that. <laughs> so I was like, oh, when it was Night Ride. I think it was like shortly after, you know, I think it's, it's like just so 80. weird. All these contrivances and yeah. it's just it just makes the thing like really complicated. And ultimately, by the time we get to the the and it's not a pagoda. It's a it's, so it's a Chinese restaurant. It's like red pepper <laughs> restaurant. Yeah, it's like this stuff doesn't link up. Oh, yeah, it, but you do get uh, some Hong Kong regulars as the film goes on. Yeah, um, yeah. you you'll James see Tien. Uh, James Tian. Well, I mean, they show the footage from you know from the Bruce Lee footage. They but you also see Hark Hong Fung. He plays one of the like uh, motorcycle gang members. You'll, yeah, you'll yeah. see uh, Mars. Mars is in a segment where he's fighting against. Uh, uh, Kim Taijong and uh, Peter Chan also I mean he's been in a lot of these Bruce Lee f- films before uh, this and he's he's in this as in a small role too so that's kind of cool so th- it really leads up to um, like the, you know this like they think he's dead but he's out for revenge now so he slowly makes his way to defeat these like in you know mobsters and uh Bob Wall plays a fighter in this movie. His name is Carl Miller. And he has a big, like, you know, championship uh, fight that they're going to, like, fix so they make money. And he wins against Sammo. And you see him and Sammo yeah. fighting. That's really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I think that, Production value is probably the strongest. I yes. Think, in that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, Bob Wall is really good at, like, being a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There is a good fight a little back because he's like infiltrating this like this like tournament thing. There is a good fight earlier where it's Billy Lowe fighting like off a bunch of guys in front of this mansion. Yeah, it's just it's, you know, it's not as good because it's, you know, a guy wearing a stupid fake beard and glasses to cover up. He's not Bruce Lee, but the choreography is really good. He's doing lots of cool like roundhouse and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just taken down by the fact that it's very obviously them trying to cover up that yeah bruce lee's been dead for years um my my favorite fight is the one after the bob wall samuel fight it's in the locker room where uh kim yeah. chai jong kim tai jong billy low infiltrates and actually he's like disguised as an old man which is kind of funny i like that a lot and um <laughs> very like hong kong cinema feel to that and uh mm-hmm. he and fights get, like a lot of inserts from way of the dragon yeah he he fights Carl Miller in the locker room, and uh, that fight is awesome. I love it. And yeah, that's a really good fight. Again, it's just it's you know dumb, all the contrivances. Yeah. but it's a really it's a cool fight. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think Yumbu does some fun work in that, and I wish I knew more where he was, but I I feel like he did uh, some of the cooler moves in that. There's actually a moment where 
um billy lowe does like a chun li lightning legs like to carl miller oh, cool. like oh, yeah yeah it's like a rap- rapid kick and he gets mm-hmm. launched into uh a locker and he gets killed um, one one quick thing that i wanted to say too is that i was talking to i i was talking to my boss at work and i remember him mentioning something about seeing a bruce lee movie when he was a kid and he's like yeah when we got out we wanted to we, we felt so tough we wanted to like fight everyone it's like really funny and <laughs> as i was talking to him he was like who is that there was that white guy who was that white guy that just always got beat up in bruce lee movies and i was like that's hilarious <laughs> bob that bob wall's lasting impression with this guy is that <laughs> yeah, he was the, the white guy that gets beat up a bunch yep and that happens that's really funny even in this movie that happens post bruce lee <laughs> so i wonder if that was their friendship yo what the Guy. yeah yeah <laughs> i love it i love it but yeah so with his like hand on his shoulder like around his yeah. Shoulder. yeah i feel yeah. like that's to me that's the strongest fight out of all of the not bruce lee stuff but basically yeah, yeah then yeah. then what happens is you know he's he's warning his girlfriend because she's now set on getting revenge for billy lowe's death and then he warns her off of it and eventually they have like an encounter again so she knows that he's not dead and uh, he makes his way fighting these goons. He gets that tracksuit and he goes to the Red Pepper restaurant, which is the fill-in for the pagoda for Bruce Lee's footage. And then now, uh, I don't know, an hour and 25 minutes into the movie, finally you're rewarded with 11 minutes of Bruce Lee's footage. So what they did with this is they had to cut out um, James Tian and Chia Yuan like they're yeah. not characters in this film. There is a scene where they mention James Tian's character getting killed and they show Kareem. I can't remember what they call him. Yeah, I um, forget. But, but um, yeah. so they have to navigate around this footage to make that work without showing them. So they really chop it down. And um, yeah, some of the scenes like when they get to the floor with uh, Jihan Jae, that's cut down a lot. Like that fight is basically yeah. Jihan Jae getting his ass kicked. Like he, because when you watch the kind of like um, uncut footage, there are very few shots where it's just Bruce and the opponent. Yeah, I mean the those other guys are are in frame most of the time. So. It, that also kind of reminds me of a fighting game where you'd see like a you know flavored characters in the background. Like that's the vibe that I get from seeing. Uh, James Tian and Che Yuan, like in King of Fighters, in the older King of Fighters games, you'd have to pick a. Well, in all the King of Fighters games, you pick a team of three. But in the older yeah. games, your other two uh, teammates who aren't fighting at the time will be hanging out in the background. So it's kind of fun. And, and that's what I kind of think of when I see those two guys in the background. But um, yeah, I think even with just this 11 minutes, when when you see Bruce Lee walk up those steps and you kind of like understand, oh man, like this yeah, is it. Just it just feels so different. It's like they're just beating you down for an hour and a half. And then it's like, oh, here's your reward. And even yeah. just those eleven minutes feels so glorious. And is you can understand that the real power in this like Bruce Lee was, you know, the charismatic iconic figure that we we knew because robert klaus golden harvest all of these people involved in this movie none of those people get to the level where bruce lee is and when bruce lee shows up you see that difference and it just is like shocking how different it feels (laughs) well it's crazy i mean i get obviously that their hands are 
you know, very tied with this production. Um, and there's something very organic about, well, you have to have all this footage at the end, but I don't know, make us want it, like really foreshadow this, again, this pagoda, the levels, like Mm -hmm. whether Bruce is having visions of it or, you know, we have one little flashback earlier in the film. Um, I don't know, make it so that we're just like craving this because I feel like the way that the finished film works, uh, you don't realize that this is what's in store. I mean, unless, you know, you've done your research and you yeah, unless the it's, reputation. Unless the it's the year 2022 and you've <laughs> yeah, exactly. seen clips from it for your whole life. And right. Yeah. And I think if I had to like hone in on like one primary critique, that's that's it. It's like this whole movie should just be emphasizing this and it should be, you know, setting the table for this sequence. And, you know, this hour and a half or whatever leading up to it has just nothing to do with the, the tone spirit feel plot even of this sequence. But I I do want to talk about um, these fights a little bit because we mentioned them, but um, I think, yeah, Bruce, Bruce and Dan Inosanto playing, against each other is it's it's like magic man like you see these dudes like you know i mean i mean i know now but there's a rhythm that they understand i mean having two guys swinging nunchucks around sounds pretty goofy but when you see it in this movie it just looks so cool and yeah it's classic it, like you said, a fighting game. It's like it's like color coordinated where he has the yellow nunchucks with yeah, the yellow yeah, suit. Totally. He has the red headband mm-hmm. with the red nunchucks and it's it's just it's it is cool. Yeah, and um one of the things that we've mentioned many times on the podcast is kind of like the narrative flow of a fight. And I feel like each yeah. of these stages um, you know, you don't maybe you don't get enough out of it from Game of Death seventy eight, but each of these filmed fights that Bruce Lee put together have that narrative, and it just really pulls yeah. you up and down in this fight. And um, Bruce Lee is still able to kind of showcase how cool he is, but I mean, he still takes some lumps too. Like he gets tossed around, and uh, you know, I I love the moment where Dan Inosanto is like. He 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 gets a good hit in, and he's like, "How do you like that?" And then Bruce like whacks him right away before he can like <laughs> finish the sentence. It's so so good. I love that. And then uh, with Jihan Jay, you know, he's tossing these guys left and right. When you see him, it's like he's like a counter character in a fighting game. Like he's not doing a lot of attacks, yeah. but he he can just turn everybody around and flip them around. It's really cool. And then seeing Bruce kind of capitalize on that and. <laughs> I think he gets like a nut shot on. Well, he gets a nut shot on G. That's a Jihan J. He does. He he has a couple. I yeah. think. and on Kareem. That's a, that's a great. Yeah, he gets a great like where he spins him around, just pops him right in the crotch. Yeah. It's, it's it's a good shot. It's really cool. And yeah, so that that fight's really cool too. And then getting up to Kareem and just seeing that the iconic like matchup and just the way that that's played out too the the giant footprint on his chest and mm-hmm. seeing him stand yeah. up and um in the extended versions you see that they exchange some dialogue and uh you get the sense that you know this is a man without fear similar to like what bruce has said in interviews you know i am ready for my opponent i am living without fear and i'm just like basically in it and yeah seeing the struggle that they go through just both of them go through like such an ordeal to finish this fight it's it's really really cool to me and i i i don't think 
you, you can't capture that anymore. And it's it's kind of like this emotional thing, too, where it's like knowing how cool this was and knowing how Bruce is gone and you're not going to get that. Even going through these movies for the podcast, I still get this kind of wistful feeling. It's like, man, I can't believe he's gone. I can't believe we're never going to get anything like this because honestly, yeah. like nothing has really come close to that kind of feeling. There's like this rawness and this kind of, I don't know, like this energy of life in the stuff that he brought to 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 screen that is unmatched. All my years of like liking all these movies and really not like being like a huge Bruce Lee head, like like how I feel I am now, which is weird. It's like I'm converted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would hear people talk this way and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I like Bruce Lee and he looks awesome. But I didn't really like kind of feel that. But I totally understand it now. And it's not just about him on the screen. It's about that kind of road that got him to that point. And I mm -hmm. like how he was able to kind of express himself, not just on camera, but just as a person is so cool to me. It's so awesome. And yeah, we're, we're, we're living in this kind of dark age with Game of Death, but it's like still cool yeah, that, sure. that it exists. And I, I really, I mean, I can't, I know there are people that this is like their favorite Bruce Lee movie. And I, I can't fault them that, for that because there are these kind of shining stars in the middle of this mess that really shine so bright that they're like still in pop culture no, zeitgeist well like this stupid minions movie that just came out even in the trailer i saw in the minions movie there's like the yellow jumpsuit in the trailer the jumpsuit, yeah. yeah i mean and obviously you know kill bill all of these things you just see them and and you're like yep that's bruce lee i know what that's mm -hmm. from and uh i yeah. think that that's really 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 long lasting and I, it will be long lasting beyond even people like you know like they're not even gonna know what it's from you know it's just gonna be yeah. there as a reference no, it's funny. I mean, I, um, I love how you put all that and also just like sharing your journey of kind of almost becoming one of the acolytes or something at this point. <laughs> I mean, I'm not yeah. going to like uh, take a class or anything, but like, yeah. I just, I do never say, never say never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, it's, it's funny because if, if, you know, I mean, I think it all kind of cements that, you know, Bruce wasn't just an actor and he wasn't just a martial artist. There's this other form of magnetism that's really difficult to to explain even and i have to like fully admit like cards on the table like i i don't think i've ever quite had that like connect like he's not my guru kind of i guess is like how i how I yeah put it. yeah um but i can tell that he activates that in millions of people you know mm -hmm. even these many decades later where it's like basically his pure ideas survive and endure through like this kind of schlock of a film and honestly we just have so such little material like I mean, we've been taking our time on this arc but you try to compare it to some other really legendary actors it's like we, yeah we've this is basically it he, he left so little behind really mm -hmm. and it's like but what he did leave like has left such a mark and i don't know there there's almost this otherworldly power i can't fully explain that still seems to be active even with him gone. Yeah, no. And that's like, we've, we're, we're almost done with this, with this arc, but like we did the four Bruce Lee movies. Like right. that's, <laughs> that's it. And even and in this movie, you can feel that because it's pulling footage from mainly three of them, but it's pulling footage from those movies. There are really only like, there's the 11 minutes of footage in this. There's a little extra 
but it's just those four movies and right. that's it. And that's all. And like, you get some footage from like, you get some green Hornet here and there, you get some like him demonstrating in talk shows, but like this man had this huge meteoric rise for like a couple of years and that's it. It's almost, it's like, I don't know. It's like if Elvis died in like 1960 or something like, yeah, totally. And we only had like a couple. It's like this, this, it's like this huge cultural touchstone that just happened really hot and fast. And we didn't get to see Cause like, you know, if Bruce Lee had lived on, he probably would have done a couple of really cool movies, but eventually we might have gotten sick of it and been like, oh my God, another Bruce Lee or Bruce Lee's way past his prime. You know, like we can imagine yeah. all these things because we've seen them happen in other celebrities, but it's just bizarre when we have someone that was this popular and burned this hot, this yeah. this fast. Dude, really well put. And, and it wasn't like a tragic and I mean, it was tragic. But it wasn't like a um, it wasn't like he was depressed and then ended up, you know, succumbing to suicide or like had a drug problem or, you know, it was just of kind of a freak occurrence. And just it's just and it's just gone. And there's not like the tragic tortured artist you can kind of throw into it. He was just he was a cool guy that had a lot of fun with stuff (laughs) Mm -hmm. and made these really cool movies and then just died. And now we have to, to figure out what to do after that. Right. No, I think that's super well put. Um, and yeah, just that, I don't know, I'm just picturing now just just how radically different like Bruce's fame story is from what we would expect here in like the 2020s, where we kind of almost demand like full access into a celebrity's life nearly like 24-7. And it seems like it's actually really difficult for any well-known person not to kind of like burn out in the, in the audience's yeah. eyes. Um, and here it's like, we have this, like we'll never actually get our fill of Bruce. And it almost feels like that's part of, that's like one of the forces at work too, which yeah. is that it's like, we're staying hungry like forever. Cause we, we kind of never got all that he had to offer. Right. Right. And I think that culture, how we consume media and how we, um, you know, devour everything so quickly these days. Like, I don't, I don't know if you can have like a long lasting figure like that. It, you, there have to be right. some kind of crazy, it have to be really crazy for somebody to make a lasting impression like that these days. Uh, mm. Back in the day, that kind of like monoculture, like the world was all consuming the same things and they were riding the same waves. Now it's just so diverse and so, um i don't know it's just like too crazy right now i've thought about that a lot like just for art in general like what what is art now and what is like as as a culture like how we consume and that's like that could go into a whole other conversation that's it yes that could be an entire side podcast on its own it is it's crazy it's crazy and yeah i mean if yeah that couldn't happen what bruce lee yeah. like as he stands now that couldn't happen if it existed now no no right. it definitely right. wouldn't yeah. and and this and that's just because the way we do media and stuff yeah so i guess we should technically the movie does have a little extra <laughs> after yeah. the footage and that sucks too because you're seeing all this great footage and then it's like all right yeah. now i gotta go back we to this crap. Of, right yeah and they also kind of just completely drop all pretense and it's just you can barely clearly see it's a different actor yeah. and and there's like a short little fight. It does have because the the villain of the movie is like this old. The final villain, I should say, is like this old man. Yeah. 
and Mr. there's Magoo. a hilarious Mr. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mr. Magoo. That makes sense, right? That's who <laughs> should have. Yeah, and he falls off of a roof and dies, and it's really yeah. funny because yeah. it's just it's a hard cut after he dies to. Oh, the but credits. dude, one of the other best parts of the movie. Wax. Wax. Like yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's a great line. Because the old man is left like a dummy of himself like that he, has like slit his wrists. Yeah. And he rips uh, the head off so violently. Yeah, Wax! Bruce sees right yeah. through it. Yeah, Wax. That's great. But yeah, that's that's Game of Death. And that is somehow not our last movie in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, that's Game of Death 78 and all the extra stuff with that. And so it's, yeah, it's, a, it's fascinating to, to look back on. Um, yeah, totally. And I mean, for all its faults and, you know, the critics weren't very kind to it when it came out, which it makes sense. I mean, yeah, I think go through the movie, but it did pretty darn well in terms of the box office. I mean, again, it's like the audience did not have their fill of, of Bruce. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that really, really says something. Any other thoughts before I close it up? Dude, I I dumped it all out there. All right, that's good. <laughs> Dude, yeah, let's just um, we all just want to really celebrate our hero Carlos for all the yeah for crazy real. <laughs> extra mile research that went into um, yeah. Well, we I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely homework, but it, it it's it's fun homework. I I love it. Yeah, and uh, you know, well, it seems like it's like changed you a little bit. It's too. weird. It's like you're kind of a I've a, a different person. I've applied this like kind of mindset, like the podcast mindset. All right, do homework. Oh, I got to learn as much as I can about this stuff. I've applied it to other places in my life. So that's pretty crazy. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's so <laughs> I'll cool. catch myself doing something. And I was like, oh, this is like. This is like when I prep for Heroes 3. What's going on? And I was like, all right, I guess I'm better at this now. Yeah. <laughs> this is my kung fu is stupid, useless knowledge yeah. for podcasting. No, dude, you've gotten up to the top level and you found the secret treasure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. nice. Awesome. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Game of Death, man. Thank you so much for checking out our show here. Um, and thanks for, for bearing with us in a kind of a different format this week. If you liked it, you can leave us a review on whatever you're listening to this on, like Spotify or iTunes or a podcast, whatever it's called now. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Heroes Number Three Podcast on all three of them. And so, uh, I guess Marty or Carlos, I know you both love this. What is our training for next week? Yeah. So, um, yeah, this next film is a film that once I saw it, I I wanted to tell everybody about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this is a film from 1981 and you'll hear it called game of death Two. You'll also hear it called tower Tower of death. Death. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're in the realm of Bruce Bloitation, but uh, yeah, there's a lot to be said about it. And I, I love it. What's crazy is we're going to move from like Hollywood Bruce Bloitation to like, yeah, hold my beer, like Hong Kong, <laughs> yeah. Bruce exploitation, and I've got to say, it's like uh, I'm gonna take the Hong Kong exploitation yeah. every day, every day of the week, yeah. and especially with what we have in store, with which on the face of it would seem like potentially an even more tasteless project, but um, we bring some of the greatest talent at this point in history together to make. What I've got to say, it's it's a must see movie, yeah. and um, people usually don't believe that when you tell them, like, "Hey, you've mm-hmm. probably never seen Game of Death 2. If you're a fan of 
Hong Kong action, you've got to see this movie. Yeah. It's like, it's actually essential. Yeah, just to leave a tantalizing like little tidbit, do you want to see a Yun Woping choreographed fight between Yun Biu and Huang Zhengli? <laughs> There's, yeah. Yes, I do. There's an easy yeah. answer to that. And yeah, this is definitely yeah. more in our wheelhouse. This is like, I don't know. This is like almost like Heroes 3 Origins because I feel like this resonates with a <laughs> right. lot of like the first things that we really uh, bonded on uh, on the podcast. So I'm really excited mm-hmm. to talk about that. Before we go, though, I really wanted to say we, we also we've received another wonderful letter. And yeah, with our, yeah. our opinions on Game of Death. I, I would I welcome it. Just like Bruce Lee said to all of the old masters in San Francisco, <laughs> if you would like to come to discuss your martial arts with me, my door is open to you. So yeah, if, totally. if you liked what we said, if you feel like you want to defend Game of Death, hit us up. I'm more than happy to talk about it. And this is one of the things that I love. And you can hit us podcast. up at heroes number three podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, beautiful That's stuff. That's right. Yeah, and dude, and honestly, if if you really get a lot out of Game of Death, um, yeah, we don't want to take that away from you. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I wish I, I, I yeah. wish I was you. Yeah. <laughs> well, until next week, where we're taking a look at Game of Death Two. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes Three. Remember your training. <laughs>